Pastor Ed Taylor says there's victory in Jesus. The Lord wants you to walk in victory. The Bible declares that victory is already yours by faith. God is not leading you to victory. He's leading you from victory. It's yours. Do you want, you want victory over anger? It's yours in Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You want victory over addiction? The sun sets you free. You'll be free indeed. That's what the Bible says today, right now. You want to be free? Well, the sun sets you free. And if the sun set you free, what are you? Free indeed. This is amazing grace. Again, we're delighted to share the next half hour with you here on Abounding Grace. Today, Pastor Ed Taylor will encourage us to live with a healthy fear of God. In your study of the scriptures, you probably noticed the phrase, the fear of God, repeated quite often. As we're about to see, fearing God will impact our lives, and it's essential in our walk with the Lord. Let's join Pastor Ed as he unfolds the blessings that flow into our lives as we're truly fearing the Lord. We're in 2 Kings 17. You have everything you need right here in the Bible from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. And, and there are nuances and there are doctrines, there are things to learn, but we don't want to fall into the trap of always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth? A deep, growing, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ where he lives his life through you and you make an impact in your community in the brief amount of time that we're on the earth. That's the meat. It's not some juicy doctrine that, oh, wow, brand new. Hey, you find something new, it probably isn't so new. It's probably not. And so we want to be in a place where we move forward from being a baby being a new believer. You know, like a baby, someone has to pamper them, burp them, constantly counsel them, explain the same things over and over and over again. Or it's the same issues over and over again. And, and eventually, you know, you come up for prayer and we pray with you. And we say, why don't you do this? Okay, pastor. And you come up another week and we pray with you. And what's going on? Well, you know, I fell into that. And we say, okay, we pray with you. We say, why don't you do this? And then you come up another week and we pray with you and we want you to do this. And, and the real question is, why aren't you doing the counsel that you were given? You're given the same counsel every single week, every single time. It's the same scripture. It's the same truth. It's the same place. The Lord wants you to walk in victory. The Bible declares that victory is already yours by faith. God is not leading you to victory. He's leading you from victory. It's yours. Do you want, you want victory over anger? It's yours in Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You want victory over addiction? The sun sets you free. You'll be free indeed. That's what the Bible says today, right now. You want to be free? Well, the sun sets you free. And if the sun set you free, what are you? Free indeed. 
And, and for the moment, let's just say this. For the moment you're listening to this Bible study, you're not smoking pot, you're not doing a line of coke, you're not shooting up heroin, and you're not taking a drink unless I can't see you. You're not drinking in here. So guess what? For the moment you're listening to the Bible study, hey, you're free. You're free. So why don't you listen to more Bible studies? You'll be free. And God is showing you for an hour. You see, what's happened, though, is that your body appetites, they start to rise up. Your mind starts to play tricks. Then you believe you just can't move on without this. You can't move on without this. You can't live without this. And in the weakness of your flesh, in unbelief, living like an unbeliever, you go back like the children of Israel here to idolatry. And you turn to drugs and alcohol. You turn to anger and frustration. You turn to control. Whatever it is that gives you some temporary peace and satisfaction. It's temporary. It is so temporary. It doesn't last. That's why the cycle of addiction continues, because it doesn't last. That's why the, the amount of drugs and alcohol you have to pour down your system increases, because your tolerance is built up against it, and it just doesn't last. It's, it's a form of idolatry. Uh, turning to someone or something to give you the kind of peace and satisfaction as we've been learning that's already yours by faith. It, peace is there. But we're not satisfied with peace for the moment. It's almost as if we say, God, I want peace, but give it to me for the year. Give it to me for two years. Lord, I'll follow you if you just give me peace of mind for two years. And God says, I will give you peace of mind for two years. You believe me by faith. And every moment you believe, you get a moment of peace. No, 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 Lord, that's not what I asked for. I want you to deliver it. It's like the children of Israel, if you recall, coming out of Egypt, going into the promised land, going to battle the enemy. I don't know about you, but if I'm battling the enemy, I want to get it done right now. I don't want it to last forever. If I'm going to do battle, let's just do it in one big, let's just get it over with. Let's just pull off the band-aid. Let's just jump into the pool. Let's just go fight the battles and get it over with and get it behind me. But what did God tell the children of Israel? He said, I will not drive out the enemy all at once. But he said what? Little by little, I'll drive out the enemy from before you. Why? Basically because if I drove out the enemy before you all at once, you couldn't handle it little by little. And that's a great description, I believe, of the life of faith, the life of trust. It's little by little. Some of you are believing God right now second by second. Praise God for that. That's just where you're at. Second by second, there's a conscious decision to trust God in your current situation. Others of you are minute by minute. Others of you might think 15 minutes every 15, 20 minutes every hour perhaps that you're at a stronger place in your faith. But no matter where you are, your life is dependent upon the sufficiency of God's power in your life. It's not by might and it's not by my power, but what? It's by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how the mountain in front of you is going to move. That's where victory comes. It's by his spirit and his power. And believe me, you want to be sober, you want to be clean, you want to be a strong believer, you want to make a difference for the things of God, you want to be delivered, God wants it more for you. Imagine how much you want it. 
how much success you want to experience, how much victory you want to enjoy. Imagine just how desperate you get at times. God desires it more for you than even you do because he loves you and he wants to see you walk in freedom. I was just speaking to a dad today who in their family are going through a very tremendous, difficult time with one of their children. And they've had to make some very difficult decisions. And this isn't what they raised their son to be. This wasn't the high hopes that they had for this season of their life at this time. And God has brought them down from a place of running to a place of second-by-second dependence where they're just crying out moment by moment for the strength to walk in the Spirit and to pray for their boy that the Lord might do a great work. And I'm certain there are other situations in, in the reach of my voice where God is allowing circumstances to remind you. It could be just like, if you come back with me to Second Kings, it could be like, these folks that were idolatrous and they, they willfully chose, they thought they were doing it in secret, but they weren't doing it in secret. And now Assyria's coming. Babylon's going to be right behind them. The judgment of God is coming for their idolatry, for their lack of obedience. And Assyria now has come. And let's just examine for a moment, come back with me in chapter 17, beginning in verse 13. Sometimes it's good to pause. You know, when you're doing your devotions, you kind of read through and you got a chapter, three chapters, and you're reading through. Sometimes it's really good to pause and reread a chapter and just kind of see, are there words that jump out? Are there verbs and actions to see? Actions to mimic, actions to avoid. And so notice, point by point, the testimony of God against Israel. Listen, verse 13, it says that they turned from his commandments... They turned from his commandments to evil ways because they were, called, they were told to turn away from evil and come back to the commandments. Look at verse 14. They would not, they refused to hear. They stiffened their necks. Notice verse 15. They rejected the truth. They also rejected their covenant that they made with him. Notice it says uh, they rejected his testimonies. They became idolaters. It says in verse 15, they followed after idols. They lived and became like all the nations around them. There was no distinction. The whole point of coming out of Egypt and laying before them Deuteronomy and Leviticus was to bring distinction. Now there's no distinction in them. They're even causing their kids to go through the fire, sacrificing their kids. It says in verse 16, they left all the commandments of the Lord their God. It says that they made molten image and two calves. Verse 16, it says they worshipped the, all the host of heaven, which is all, they started re worshiping like in Romans, the creation over the creator. Notice in verse 17, they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. They practiced witchcraft and soothsaying. They sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord. They provoked him to anger. And thus, God brought judgment upon them. And Judah, verse 19, 
Also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, and they did not depart from them. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria, as it is this day. So Judah too rebelled against God, following the poor example of those in Israel. And this brought the rejection of God to them. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so Israel's carried away to Assyria, and Assyria started to possess the promised land. The enemy stole what belongs to God. Earlier, we saw how the king stole what belongs to God and tried to buy off protection. And now, because of bad leadership, now the enemy of God is stealing and possessing the land that belongs to God. That's what it says. Notice in verse 24, it says in verse 24, the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Chutha, Ava, Hamath, and from the Shepharim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. Notice, they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. That's always the end result of willful disobedience. That which belongs to God will be stolen by the enemy. Things that belong to God in your life will be taken. They took it like it was theirs. They just come in and took possession. They ate food that they didn't plant. They lived in houses they didn't build. And they enjoyed the blessings and benefits of God's land, but did not acknowledge the God of heaven. And they entered in without a fear of God. And they didn't care. Notice verse 25. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there, that they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them and killed some of them. Okay, that's not a good ending. Uh, that would be the title, Fear God or Watch Out for the Lions. That's like, this is a real deal. It's the wildness of the land. It's a natural consequence of taking something that doesn't belong to you. It's going to eat you up, devour you. Verse 26, So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you removed and placed in the cities of Samaria... Do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Therefore, he sent lions among them, and indeed they're killing them because they do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Because remember, during this day, the belief was that there were localized deities in each little area. So when they say that they're not speaking of the God of, of heaven, they're just like, hey, we don't know what's going on, how the gods work in this particular land. And because they didn't know how the gods work, you know, the lions, the, the false deities sent lions after them. So notice in verse 28. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. However, every nation continued to make gods of its own, put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities that they dwelt. So they enter in without a fear of God. They pay the ultimate price. Verse 30. The men of Babylon made Succoth, but... Binoth, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and all the Sephirites burned their children in fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, 
the gods of Sepharim. So they feared the Lord, and from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. They feared the Lord, yet served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from whom among they were carried. To this day, they continue practicing the former rituals. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow the statutes or the ordinances of the law and the commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Israel, or excuse me, of Jacob, whom he named Israel. Verse 35. With whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, nor bow down to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice. And the statutes, the ordinances, the law and the commandment which he wrote for you, you shall be careful to observe forever, and you shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. But the Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of your enemies. Excuse me, from the hand of all your enemies. However, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, yet served their card images. Also their children and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did, even to this day. An interesting contrast. It says that they feared the Lord, but not in a spiritual way, because spiritually they did what they wanted to in their own eyes. I think practically there was a fear because of the lions and the consequences, but they still did what they wanted to do. I think that it's vital for us to remember in the context of what we're learning today that not everybody that says they're saved is actually saved. That may be hard for you to believe, but not everybody says they're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, is actually a real born-again believer. And you want to make sure that you're saved. You want to make sure that when you refer to having a healthy fear of God in your life, that you're truly fearing God. And it's not just an emotional response. It's not just an emotional response to your circumstances. You go through something, right? You go through something difficult. You go through something like a crisis. And I mean, one of the first places, whether it was your grandmother or your parents, or maybe you heard on a radio station or your neighbor, you know, you go through a crisis, you turn to God, which is not a bad thing to do. You go through a crisis, you need to call out to the God who can rescue and save you. But a lot of times that rescuing and saving is, is really just conditional, and so you're like, I'm in a big bind right now, God. So get me out. Get me out of jail. Bring my spouse back. Help me get a job. Help me with this difficulty financially. Whatever it might be, God, I cry out to you. And you might even make this commitment to God. God, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I mean, I think turning to God in a crisis is a great thing. And I think turning to God in a crisis and meaning it is really a great thing. And truly submitting yourself. Hey, don't let this be you. Oh yeah, you know, there was a fear of God in them, but they're still idolaters. There was an appearance of fear of God. Because, you know, coming into a church, everybody, you can learn the lingo really quick. You know, you can carry a Bible and, and learn a few Christian words. And, and you can make it look like, and we're going to learn this in Hebrews, you can make it look like you're a true believer. But you know, we don't know, because it takes a little bit of a time for that to be revealed. 
We don't know right away. So we watch and we wait because Jesus said that a good tree is going to bear good fruit. Do you know Jesus said that? Doesn't that make sense? Good fruit comes from a good tree. And he also said a bad tree is going to bear bad fruit. And that just takes time. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been listening to a message from Pastor Ed Taylor's series in 2 Kings. It's called Living with a Healthy Fear of God. Hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org or listen through our app. You can get that through the App Store or Google Play by searching for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, as we close things out, you mentioned that not everyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian. And one of the ways we can tell is by the fruit or the lack thereof. If someone listening is wondering if they really are a believer, how can they know for sure where they stand with God? Wow, Larry, that is such an important question. You know, we're told in 1 John that we can know that we are saved, that we can have the assurance of our salvation. And, you know, if you're a believer today, you've been born again, uh, you have committed your life to Jesus Christ. The way that you stay steady in times of doubt and discouragement is by faith. And let me just say, times of doubt and discouragement will come and they're normal. It doesn't make you a second-class believer, or it doesn't make you an odd person when you wrestle with doubt and you have serious questions about life and faith, and you have questions about God. One of the books of the Bible that would be a great friend to you if you're doubting your salvation, you're doubting where you stand with God, is the book of Psalms. Uh, Because David and the authors of the Psalms often would go through these times of difficulty and then faith, difficulty and faith, difficulty and faith. And some of the difficulties are are super serious, like they're, they're what we would call crisis of faith or a dark night of the soul. And, you know, I, I've, I've been there personally and and I think it's important that, that you guys that are listening and a part of our Bounding Grace family, you probably already know that, but I, it's good for you to hear it directly from me. I, I have had many crises of faith, and I've had far too many dark nights of the soul. Um, you know, I, I had them before my son Eddie passed away, but they were especially acute after my son passed away and all of the difficulties that surround losing him and, and some of the ongoing trials that go with that. And, and I'm grateful for the faithfulness of God, that even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful, and he doesn't abandon you in your time of need, and he doesn't just dismiss you when you're wrestling with questions. But like Thomas, remember Thomas, it's too bad that we know him as Doubting Thomas. I don't like calling him that, and I won't. Um, I think Thomas was, one, was the kind of guy that had a lot of questions and and it's perfect because he came to Jesus uh a guy you know God in human flesh you know that had a lot of answers and God has the answers for what plagues you and the difficulties in your life just come to him and as a believer in Jesus Christ we access the strength and the joy and the encouragement of the Lord by faith and if you need help call us maybe you just need someone to pray with you can call us here at 303-628-7200 or Call your local pastor, you know, the church that you're a part of, and and just ask for prayer and ask to be encouraged. Ask for a scripture. You know, you can go to christianbook.com and download a, a book of promises and just put in the search engine promises, 
And there's so many promises in the, in the Word of God that God can use to encourage you. But remember, uh, not too long ago in our church, we taught through the book, uh, we were talk, teaching through, we are teaching through the book of Hebrews. We finished chapter six. And at the end of chapter six, it says that our hope is an anchor of our souls. And I want you to know your soul is anchored, even though it feels like sometimes the storms of life will prevail. They will not prevail. Instead, you are anchored and God is faithful and he loves you. And I'm grateful for that question, Larry, and we're going to continue to live and move forward by faith. Thanks for those encouraging words, Pastor Ed. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. You'll be encouraged as you hear how God's grace really does change everything in your life, and it's the key that unlocks God's blessings. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you're writing, here's our address, Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. And then join us next time when we'll pick up where we left off in 2 Kings here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.